And the fact that we've exceeded that goal and that the city council is poised to be a majority women for the first time in history is, it's a lot. And, you know, as I mentioned, I'm pregnant, I'm giving birth to my daughter. It, it, it really does mean a lot just knowing that she's going to be born into a world where we're finally getting to the point where there is that gender equity building in this country. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. For the first time in New York City's history, women are likely to become the majority in the city council. Despite the fact that there are more women than men living in New York City, just 14 of the 51 seats are held by women today. But that's all set to change in January, when we're expecting around 30 to be sworn in. One organization called 21 in 21 endorsed 74 women across 37 districts. Beyond that, they helped connect candidates with mentors and other important resources. Today, Epicenter's Mitra Kalida talks to Yvette Buckner and Amelia Adams of 21 in 21 about their efforts to help women gain representation and how this will lead to more women in citywide positions in the future. Before we begin, a quick message from our friends and sponsors at McKinsey & Company. The shortlist is a weekly curated sampling of McKinsey's need-to-know stories about work, the economy, and culture. 60% of Black workers live in the South. So I think you are seeing companies start to say, why don't, instead of expecting diverse talent to move to us, why don't we open up a hub in a more diverse location? That's Brian Hancock from the McKinsey Talks Talent Podcast featured in a recent shortlist newsletter. He's discussing the future of work. For more of our best ideas, quick and curated, check out the shortlist at mckinsey.com forward slash shortlist. That's mckinsey.com forward slash shortlist. And thanks. Now, back to the show. Here's Mitra, Amelia, and Yvette. So I, I, I think we can begin at the beginning, which is how did 21 in 21 come to be? You know, I, I just fell in love with the mission, so I, I became a volunteer and, and helped reach out to all the women organizations. And, and so we, we were sitting at a very long um, oak table with Eleanor's Legacy, Emily's List, Planned Parenthood, Mayral, Higher Heights, Sharon Nelson was there, and Melissa, Elizabeth Crowley, and Margaret Chen reached out to these organizations and said, what can we do? And all the organizations you know, said, you should do this, this, and this, because we don't focus on city council. Everyone else really did state and federal, and, and so we found a niche, and, and that's how 21 and 21 was created by the, the guidance and the input from sister organizations that are still partners today. And what year was this, Amelia? It officially launched January 2017. January of 2017. So as Trump was about to take office. Yvette, do you have anything to add to the memory around that? And I, I think what was also helpful to know is that, you know, there's committees that the city council oversees and, and that they chair. And so there's about 40 committees. And so if with 11 women and almost 40 committees, they were having to sit on, you know, four and five committees just to have 
female representation at the, um, you know, on these different committees. So I think that that really spoke to a lot of women about we need to do something about this because there's, you know, now we're, we're just, we're on five committees and still doing our council jobs and still doing our work in, the, in, in our districts. And it's just a heavy, much heavier load that the women had to bear. I hadn't even thought about that. Certainly in the workplace, that's a huge issue when you're grappling for representation in meetings or to your point on committees and you only have a few you know, you're not just working twice as hard to get in the door, but you're working four times as hard once you're there, right? You know, 21 and 21 is really asserting, this is what we want, no less, right? And how, how did that come to be? It was very catchy, to be honest. And I don't really, I cannot recall having a very in-depth conversation. And I think it definitely did play into what Yvette was saying about representation as it relates to committees. Um, but it was just, a, a calling for in 2021 where we knew that there were going to be 30 plus seats termed out and they're going to be open. We had all these open seats. And so we had to like lay a mark in the ground with like no less than 21 women shall be elected in 2021. Um, and that, that seems huge. Like 10 more is double, <laughs> just about double what you have. And the idea at that time was very daunting, you know, because it's like, it's taking so long, it's so hard, you know, for women to run, you know, you can ask a man to run, most likely they'll run on the first, maybe second time you ask, you ask a woman to run, it's, you know, third, fourth, fifth time that before women actually say yes to running. And there's all kinds of structural and cultural barriers that they have to consider, but women do not run usually the first or second or third time that they are asked. Tell me a little bit about that wooing process, right? How do you convince a woman to run? Okay, if you don't get her on the first try, at least the second and third, what, what does that conversation sound like? Well, I think for us, I think there were women who definitely said, I'm going to run. But I think the what we tried to do, especially in the very beginning, was to actually just get women who could support this idea. We were just looking for women who wanted to do whatever it took to get, you know, reach our goal. So that was the first thing is it was like just bringing more people into the, into the fold. And I know that there are a couple of women who actually never thought about running until, you know, it was, they were actually, um, I think it was Althea Stevens from the Bronx. She, you know, she said, I wasn't even thinking about running until I joined this organization. And then like a year into it, she's like, I can do this because it created a, like a sisterhood and, you really felt that there were people behind you no matter what. But I also like to say we help them to be ready to run and help them to be ready on day one. And I think that's really important. In order to run, there's so many things that you have to know, not just like how you do legislation and things like that, but just to run. Like, how do you get a team together? How do you fundraise? Women notoriously have, and unfortunately, I should say, have a harder time fundraising than men do just because of access and things of that nature. And women of women have a harder time and women of color have a particularly harder time um, when it comes to fundraising. So we put together resources of people who, you know, are campaign managers, especially as people are coming off the Biden and, and Harris election. Here's, you know, a, a pollster. Here's a compliance person. Here are fundraisers. Here are press people. Here are comms people. You know, here are people who can do your messaging. And, you know, we made it as easy as possible. What about endorsements and choosing who is worthy of being a part of the 21 and 21 coalition? How, how did you figure all that out? We started last year in July and we did you know, several rounds of screenings. So, you know, I, I personally met with like 70 
plus candidates, you know, it was like speed dating. And before the, the women actually went to the membership, we actually did a couple of trainings on like sharpening your stump speech. And really, because we saw that some of them were not ready and they like 21 and 21 was like their first real endorsement screening. We really wanted to support all of the women, regardless how they ended up in ranked one, two, three, four. We were putting out the, you know, in every single New York City district. This is the slate of five women that will be great for the district. And that's why we really leaned into ranked choice. Yeah, we did a strategy. We had a top-notch professional person who's on our board of directors, Heidi Seek. Um, she's done ranked choice voting in other states like California. And she came in and she worked with all of the women in each of the districts and got them on the same page. And then you saw the really interesting thing that I loved and saw, and Amelia talked a little bit about this, is the sisterhood that these women form. So smart. And I think you guys were early in the ranked choice coalition building, obviously, Catherine Garcia and Andrew Yang came into it in the 11th hour, but I think there was evidence of y'all you know, being months ahead on, on that narrative. So I think it's worth talking about the results. What does it look like in terms of female representation come January, 2022? You know, I think it's gonna be actually representative of what, the, what New York City looks like for the first time really ever, right? Because we live in a majority minority city. We live in a city that has more women than men. And so the city council will be reflected of the 29 women who we believe, you know, and we're hopeful will be council members come January, 26 of them are women of color. And so for the first time ever, you'll have possibly two openly gay black women right? Never before in New York City Council has there been openly gay Black women. Like, that's just, it's, that's crazy to think of in 2021. Um, you'll have the first Muslim woman. You know, you'll have the first South Asian women, the first Korean women. So that's what, what New York City is. You know, it, it was just like, you know, all of our best friends got elected. You know what I mean? <laughs> our sisterhood got elected. So it was, it was really incredible. What are your thoughts on the mayoral race? And what was 21 and 21's role in either supporting candidates, endorsing candidates? Um, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I, I think first off, like we, we didn't get involved with any other race besides the council. And I also, I think it was a good thing <laughs> for many reasons. We did not have the capacity or bandwidth to try to spread ourselves thin. So we, we decided you know, four years ago, we will not participate in anything besides the council. And also we wanted to create a pipeline. There wasn't, there weren't many women in the council to begin, which means that whoever was the, those 11 women trying to go to a higher office has just been in less chances for them. So now that we have 26, 27, 28, 29 women who are gonna be in a council, we wanna make sure that we support them their, when they're re-election in two years, but also really start getting them to think about higher office so that maybe every borough president looks like, <laughs> looks like the council eight years down the line or whatever, there could be women, more women serving in a citywide position because we only, we've only had our attorney general um, Letitia James serving in that in that role in a citywide position. You know, uh, we want to see women in these positions because there's a lot of men in the citywide positions right now. And so in, you know, four years, eight years, we want to see more women in those positions and reflect the city again um, and make more history. Yeah, it's, it's hard for someone, you know, sometimes it happens, but it's really hard for someone to just go from zero to a hundred. 
And that's why we wanted to make sure that we were very intentional about building a pipeline of someone who, you know, is experienced at campaigning, fundraising, building a network to go on a, a borough, a countywide, going on a citywide, going on a state level position as well. Uh, so my last question is what is next for 21 and 21? Um, so we're going to be getting these women, like I said before, we were getting them ready to run and to be ready to on day one. And so we're going to be having like, you know, council class where we help them with whatever their biggest needs are. So, you know, whether it's getting staff or learning kind of the legislative process, um, Amelia calls it the um, alphabet soup of the city council, you know, like what is ULERP and all these other terms that, you know, are very esoteric to most folks. Um, like what does all of that stuff mean? So getting them ready and then, you know, and then supporting them between now and, you know, 2023, because they have to run again. All of them have to run again in 2023. You can learn more about 21 and 21 and the amazing work they're doing through the link in our show notes. Next, we're sharing a story from one of our neighbors, like you. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Julia Foreman, a third-generation New Yorker born in the Bronx. Julia ran for city council in District 26. She also spent seven years working at the Bronx DA's office and has led community efforts around COVID-19 relief and voter registration. Hi, my name is Julia Foreman, and I am a former candidate for New York City Council in District 26 in Western Queens. I would say that one of the biggest challenges I faced uh, during this past election cycle while I was running for city council really was the lack of opportunity to engage with neighbors face-to-face for a good portion of the campaign. Um, I am so glad that we were all on my team, all my volunteers, and, and a lot of people in the neighborhood that we were all able to Um, get the vaccine this past spring. And it really did open up the opportunity for us to start going door to door, for us to really safely engage in person once again. Uh, But prior to that, especially, you know, for me, I I was pregnant uh, and I'm still pregnant, but I was pregnant from the beginning of 2021. Um, So for me, it was certainly a, a concern about being face-to-face with people until I was vaccinated. Um, So I think it really was a big challenge, something that carried over from the 2020 uh, primaries to the 2021 primaries was that somewhat limited time to safely engage in person uh, with voters, with people in our neighborhoods. But I do think, and this is something that obviously is new in 2021, I believe that ranked choice voting did increase the number of people from various backgrounds and the number of women who got involved, who decided to run. And I am very proud to say that I was endorsed by many female organizations. 21 and 21, which is a group of, you know, it's an organization that that fought to get at least uh, 21 women elected in this cycle. You know, I believe that it's 30 women are hopefully, you know, 29 or 30 women will hopefully be representing New York City and the council. That is a majority out of, you know, when I joined 21 and 21 back in, 
I think 2018 or 2019, you know, 21 women was a goal, right? Like that was our, we want to get at least this. We're really fighting for this. And the fact that we've exceeded that goal and that the city council is poised to be a majority women for the first time in history is, it's a lot. And, you know, as I mentioned, I'm pregnant. I'm giving birth to um, my daughter in late September, hopefully. <laughs> it, it, it really does mean a lot. It really does um, touch me in a way that is, is even stronger than it would have in another way, just knowing that she's going to be born into a world where we're finally getting to the point where there is that gender equity building in this country. Um, growing up, I was taught that America is a melting pot, but New York, especially New York City, is a salad bowl where, you know, people come from all over and you sort of retain what makes your culture and your background special, but everything kind of comes together and all those different backgrounds and, and cultures put together make something that's really remarkable together, you know, even though everything is great on its own, like, when it comes together, it's it's just that much better. And my favorite New York City sound. Um, I wish I could say that now that I'm an adult, it's changed, but I think it's the same sound it always was, and that's the ice cream truck. Um, I remember the good humor truck coming to the playground when I was a little kid, and I'm sure people don't remember it and it doesn't ex it doesn't even exist anymore but still to this day when I hear an ice cream truck all I can think of is a Buffalo Bill ice cream treat which was a, a cowboy ice cream that had a big bubblegum nose um, and I for some reason only ever wanted that growing up and it's uh, a wonderful summer sound that I've always loved. If you want to learn more about Julia, we've linked to her in our show notes. Women like Julia, Yvette, and Amelia have contributed to the historic shift in representation for women in the city council. But like Yvette and Amelia said, the women who win will need to run again in just two years, not the usual four. Why? District lines will soon be redrawn, and this could change the legislative map. What this means is we need to continue working towards a New York City where everyone is represented, because before we know it, candidates will need our support once again. And at Epicenter, we'll be helping you find ways to help out. So make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at epicenter-nyc.com to stay in touch. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.